Trey Gibson is the youth liaison for the Restorative Justice and Equity Group in Central Oregon. He has been on the RJ&E staff since August of 2021. Before we get into our conversation, a little background for listeners unfamiliar with restorative justice and equity. The group was formed 10 years ago to apply the concept of restorative justice within the Ben Lapine School District and to address the opportunity gap for students of color in local schools. RJ&E works closely with teachers, school administrators, district officials, the school board, community activists, and social workers. Restorative justice, as stated on the RJ&E website, quote, recognizes that all people are interconnected and inherently worthy. By valuing respect, mutual concern, and dignity, restorative justice provides a framework for creating just and equitable learning environments that nurture healthy relationships, and transform conflicts, unquote. The RJ&E group applies that principle in a variety of ways, including town hall meetings on race that have brought together hundreds of local high school students of color in recent years. To learn more, I urge listeners to go to the Restorative Justice and Equity Group website. That's Restorative Justice Equity Group, all one long word, Restorative Justice Equity Group dot squarespace.com and you can learn more there this conversation is being recorded on november 17th 2022 trey gibson welcome to the radical songbook podcast hello michael thank you for having me yeah i appreciate you taking the time uh i'd like to start with some questions about you first if that's okay can you give our, our listener just a sense of what your what your background is um you know did you did you grow up in bend how you know just basically, you know, your your experience, both in terms of school, work experience, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so it all started in uh, Reno, Nevada, uh, where I was born, Washoe County. Uh, my mother moved uh, me and her self here to Bend, Oregon when I was two years old. So I've been here since 94, 1994. Um, I attended multiple schools, elementaries, um, middle schools. Uh, I finally made my way to uh, high school, which I graduated in uh, 202010 from Mountain View. Um, I would say throughout my, my history of growing up here, um, I've learned the, the harsh realities of being a person of color in a world that sees a person of color as different. Um, I've gained a lot of uh, perspective uh, from both my own way of thinking and my own uh, experience as well as others. Um, after high school, I really found myself going from job to job to job. Um, I mean, from painting to um, I worked at uh, Ben Broadband for a while. I worked at Consumer Cellular. So I just I was just bouncing myself around trying to find a good place uh, for me to fit. And my hobby, one of my major hobbies that I've, I've kept with my with me uh, through my work history is music. Um, I went to Full Sail University. Um, I only went for about a year and a half. I got my certificate in audio production and um, uh, music theory. Uh, after that, I fell into um, a, a, a local a local crowd. Um, I would say the the fathers group. Um, the president of the Fathers Group, his name is David Merritt. I met him through one of 
the functions that he was holding. And me and him were recording music for, I'd say, maybe a year solid. Um, through joining one of their functions, I met a gentleman named Dalton Miller-Jones. He is the co-chair of Restorative Justice and Equity. Um, he saw that I was a young young black man here in Bend, Oregon, and he saw that I had lived experience that would be um, a, bene- a, a very beneficial uh, aspect to, to include into the work that we're doing. So they, they were hiring for a program coordinator. Um, I applied for that position, but when I told them my story, uh, kind of like I just did now, uh, they thought, well, we need, uh, we need to create another position, which is the youth liaison, um, because I, I expressed that in my younger years, high school, middle, uh, there was very little support um, for me. And you could say that uh, that came from me being a person of color and um, the town of Ben not really knowing how to handle that in, in, in the easiest language I can give. Um, so they saw my strength, which was lived experience, and um, my own headstrongness, if I could give it a word. Um, I, I stayed steady. I, I was called names, uh, racial slurs constantly day to day. Um, but what I did is I, I kept my head down and I tried to focus on how I could be better. Um, I didn't want to fall into the cracks and be just another statistic. I didn't want to drop out. My mom always urged me to go to college, um, but that was very little support there. But I still had that mindset of go on and do something. Um, So then when I fell into restorative justice and they created that position, they asked me if I wanted to be a youth liaison, which is going going into uh, the local schools here, meeting with staff, uh, meeting with admin, more importantly, meeting with the students who are trying to change their climate or trying to affect change. Um, so I meet with the social justice, uh, DEI, um, and, and, and equity social clubs at each school, and, I, and I, I communicate with these students on how RJE could be of service and how we can help um, help make their climate a more welcoming, more supportive atmosphere for the folks who are marginalized. Um, so yeah, and that's, that's, that's basically, I come up to where I'm at now. <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned the, uh, I, I know that I think at Bend High School, it's called the Cross-Cultural Club, is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and there's at different school, uh, the different high schools in, in within the Bend Lapine School District, they have different, but they all have clubs, if I, re, if I understand right, and you work closely with them, so... Did you have a Did you have a club like that when you were at Mountain View High School? Um, absolutely not. Um, I, I when I say I fell into, um, I only had one friend at, at Mountain View, um, and he fell into. If I could give it just a you know a, a, a term, uh, the the good old boys. Um, I would say the 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 redneck crowd, if you will. Um, Due to feeling like I had no support and I really didn't see any other students of color that I could fit in with, I stayed um, with the only friend that I knew. And his world was that world. Um, we would go to bonfires and we would, we would, you know, I, I had such experiences as, as, you know, waking up and, and feeding horses and riding horses and, 
getting livestock and, and taking care of uh, taking care of property because that's what my friends had here. Um, so falling into that, I, I have gained um, a tremendous amount of value and understanding of, of, of kind of ways I want to live my life. Um, but during the high school years, falling into that crowd just with the younger folks, um, they didn't treat me all too well. But again, I remember just keep my head down, stay steady, stay the course, um, do not retaliate, but also learn how to defend myself. And I never wanted to be physically confrontational. So I thought, okay, let me expand my mental. Let me, let me educate myself. Um, so I, I, I chase knowledge daily. Um, I'm constantly reading and I'm trying to figure out ways that can connect us uh, as opposed to segregate us. And I feel like that's, you know, a heavy part of what school is now. Um, schools have their own cliques. The students still have their own posses that they roll with. And um, that's all fine and well, but there has to be a, a connective element, which, you know, restorative justice really provides that space for. So it, it sounds to me like your, your experience and in, in, in having grown up in the school system here in Bend, that I would imagine that that brings, um, when you're talking to students today, that that's, you're not seeing that much as a, 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 a I mean, you're, you're right from the very environment. Um, you're, you're came out of the same environment that they're in now, though it's a different environment, I'm sure. What are some of the challenges that, um, I don't know if we want to compare it to when you were in, in school, but what are some of the challenges that the students of color are facing today in the Ben Lapine School District that you work with them on? Yeah, uh, great question. So I would say one of the main challenges that I hear um, for RJE, that is, is uh, or why I'm for the students, is uh, accountability. So what, what students keep bringing up is that they will see something happen and they, they see a staff member, they see an adult see or hear something happen, and there's no action taken forward afterwards. Um, and the action that is taken forward is relatively punitive. Um, we're talking about expulsions, in-school suspensions, out-of-school suspension, um, being handcuffed and walked out of school by the resource officer. Um, you know, there's a lot of punitive ways and a lot of punitive elements that the schools still bring um, but I would say the one that I hear the most from the students, the biggest challenge is accountability. They want the staff members to to take charge, um, to help make their climate welcome. These things that you're talking about that you just uh, that you just talked about, these are things you're saying that were that are happening to the students of color in the high schools. Yes, more predominantly. Um, yeah. Yes. So. Um, What's your job? Give us give us a sense of as the, as the youth liaison. Give, give our listeners a sense of. Um, I don't know if you can say that you have a a typical day or a typical week of work, but how how do you go about your work as youth liaison in terms of of um, working with students in high school? I mean, they're going to school and they got a home life, and so you got to figure out a space to to get into, right? Uh, that is correct, Michael. I, I would say that's probably been the hardest thing for for sort of justice to do is to create, or not to create, but to find the space to create uh, said space. Uh, the students are busy, and staff members are busy, and as uh, as we progress as a society, it's only going to be more 
or there's there, there's only going to be more pressure on uh, the educational uh, staff to implement more things. And so when we come in, it, it sometimes it feels like the staff members that we're just adding on another thing for them to do. So a big part of my job, or it doesn't really feel like a job, and I can talk more about that. Um, but so what restorative justice has, we have a community cadre. Uh, we have a community cadre project, um, and it trains local volunteers um, basically to assist in the implementation of restorative practice. Um, so we have uh, a pool of about 15 community members. They're all volunteers. What we do is we, we work as uh, thought partners with the schools, right? So how can we create a more welcoming environment, a safe space for these students to come um, and sit and converse? And because, you know, the students do have a home life that we're unaware of. Um, as, as, as school staff, as community members, the students have their own life and they bring that with them to school. So it isn't always just about helping them academically, it's helping them socially. Um, so, you know, we're working with individual students um, and small groups of students too. So, like I said, I will go into the schools periodically um, and I will link up with one of our cadre members who we have assigned to be the lead at that school. Um, essentially, they're the ones working firsthand with the staff and admin, and then they um, relay information back to me that I then take to restorative justice. So if the school reaches out and says, hey, uh, we would like to do this event or we would like to hold this healing circle, um, they would take that to the uh, advisory lead, and then they would bring that to me, and then I would bring that to the coordinator. So it's kind of like a chain of command here. Um, so I can give you an example. So over at Caldera High, we have uh, set up a room. Uh, we're calling it the, the Room 106, just because it's the number. And uh, it's, it's, it's a community room. It's for the students to come in and either cool their jets, talk about what they want to talk about. Um, but more importantly, it's, it's a confidential space. So anything that they say, the school um, can't really, an easy word, uh, go after them um, because it's a it's truly safe space. So we have we have forms that we've written up that we sign uh, with the students. It's a confidentiality form. Uh, we're becoming way more organized and more formal as uh, this year is progressing. Uh, we're working with the multicultural um, and diversity clubs um, to help the, the students create their climate. Um, and we're, we're, we're teaching staff to um, the implementation of restorative practices because it's really on them. They're with the students the most. Uh, one thing that restorative justice tries to say is we can't fix the problems, we can only help. Um, so when we go to these schools, it's really working with the students and the staff. Uh, we're not telling them how to do or how to be. So we have a uh, uh, we have an 80-20 rule. Uh, it's not really our rule, but um, I mean, it kind of is through IARP and through the sort of practices. Um, so 80-20 rule, 80 80% being proactive, so that's going to the schools on a weekly basis, working with the students um, and staff and giving them just trainings on restorative uh, practices. Um, and then that 20% is conflict resolution, I would say. It's um, what we call a conference. So if you're having a situation, whether it be between two students, even a student and a teacher or, uh, you know, two staff members, um, a conference is where we hold space to find resolution so that we can move past uh, the, the initial harm. But that's not all restorative justice does. Um, a heavy part of it, again, about 80% is the proactive work. 
Um, so then when we do get to the 20%, if we do get to, to if we do get to the 20%, um, it's not as abrupt because we've been doing the work. You can't be there all the time, and restorative justice and equity staff can't be there all the time. And it, it requires, I would imagine, getting the students to feel empowered enough to deal with some of the issues with staff on their own. Are they? Is that something that you try to develop with them? Oh yes, absolutely. Helping the students find their voice and letting them know, as a reminder, hey, your voice has power. Um, you have the power to affect your climate. You have the power to affect one another with words. And the use of their voice is their most, the strongest power. It, a lot of it is really on on the part of staff to change in a way, right, and to evolve. Do you, do you get a sense in your in your work at restorative justice and equity and as a graduate of the Ben Lapine School District system, do you get a sense that that's happening, that staff is evolving and changing and getting, should we say, better on these issues? I do, Michael. I think that a lot of the, the staff members, um, they're more they're more apt to say, hey, we want to do this. Um, and, it's, again, it's like a chain of command, so we have to start with the principal, and then they have to go down and talk to their staff and, and all of that. So um, what we've seen, though, the past, I would say, like a year and a half, um, has been a real real change in ideology. Um, so, for instance, we just held a, um, a four-week restorative routine lesson um, at Summit High. Uh, one of the biggest issues was where can we find time to educate the staff on restorative principles? Um, what's a way that we can incorporate this without feeling like we're just dropping another thing on their desk to do? Um, so what we did is we came up, we sat down, we had a meeting with um, the principal at Summit and um, the cadre lead that we have selected for, for Summit. And we also work with uh, Culture of Care at Oregon. Um, so... Uh, they were there uh, part of that meeting as well. And we did, we finally came up with, well, let's utilize the staff meetings that we already have in place. Um, so Summit has a staff meeting every Monday, about a half hour long, starts at 8 and ends at 8.30-ish. Um, so we utilized uh, four weeks of their uh, staff meetings just to give a 30-minute restorative routine update practice. Um, it, it, it included, you know, we, we, we had a projector in the library. Um, we had, you know, breakfast food, breakfast food in the morning and, and, and coffee, and it was, it was a time for all of us to just kind of come together. And we really hit home the fact that these teachers are already doing the work. They're, they're, they're building relationships with students and rapport which will then lead the student to better learning um, if they feel like their teacher cares about them. And so how do we give them the proper verbiage for that, right? And that's, you know, restorative practices, restorative principles, restorative language, affective statements. We went over the uh, restorative um, continuum, which explains that 80-20 uh, rule a little better. Uh, we also talked about the social discipline window, uh, window which is, um, so it's a, it's a four-part window. It, it, it's got boxes of two, not four, and with. And we really express we want to be in the with column. Um, you know, the two is, 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 is 
punitive in a way that if you're telling a student to just do something and you're not giving them any support, the chances are they're not going to do it all that well, if do it at all. Um, the four is, you know, that, that column is if the teachers are just passing the students, if they're, if they're saying, you know, I'll just do this for you um, because it's easier for me to grade you that way or just to get you graduated, um, what that does is that stifles the student. Um, and then not is just neglectful, um, right? So you show up to class, well, I don't really know, I don't really, I don't really care what you students do, you know, it, it's just neglectful. Um, that's not a good learning environment either. Either so, what we what we emphasize is being is, is being with them, right? So holding daily check-in circles with the students, um, because again, like I touched on earlier, these students have home lives that they that they try to hide from school. Um, I know when I was younger, my home life was was very unstable, um, or very unstable. Sorry, and I had to put that on the back burner while I was at school because I didn't want to be made fun of. Um, so a lot of these students have their own personal uh, lives that they're dealing with as well. And so that's uh, one of the major factors that we try to incorporate in this is allowing that space. The students, they really know when, <laughs> when the teacher's full of it or not. So we're at a high school level now. Uh, we're, we're trying to go down to the root system or down to the root system, which is the, the youth, right? So we're starting at the high school now. We're going into middle school, eventually, hopefully leading to elementary. Um, so that by the time they get to middle school and they're running circles, it's not a new concept. By the time they get to high school and they're running circles, it's not a new concept either. Um, it's a form of community building that they've been a part of since elementary school. And I got to tell you, these kiddos in the elementary school, they take right to it. They love sitting in circles. They love talking. Now it's implementing the structure of that talk, right? So we'll have, we'll explain the, um, the circle process, the circle agreements. We have a talking piece and the person with the talking piece. Uh, is allowed to speak, and everyone else has the uh, ability to listen, the the permission to listen and be aware. Um, and that's how we have these distorted conversations. So there is some structure to it. I mean, it couldn't just get a bunch of students in a circle and say, okay, we're here, let's have a talk. It has to be, <laughs> there's, there's certainly structure to it. We have scripts uh, for our cadre members who run circles at schools so that, you know, they have a, they have their own, a, a structure within what they're doing. So, it's really great work that you're doing. You said earlier that it doesn't feel like a job to you. Mm -hmm. Can you you want to can you amplify on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, it not feeling like a job, like I said, after high school, I bounced around to many different jobs, and that was showing up, um, being there for the full shift, a lot of hours, and getting paid as such, having an authoritarian boss, um, I would say that that has been the main difference. Uh, this has been one of the healthiest jobs, healthiest jobs that I've been in, um, just because it's allowed me to educate myself more. It's given me space to also live uh, a relatively normal life without the, the strain of happening to be somewhere at eight hours for a full eight and a half, nine hours. I've gained some self-reflection through this work, um, through reading the restorative practices books. I've given my, I've been able to give myself more solace that I don't have to be perfect. And I think that when you go to a job, let's, let's just pull on the one that I did have, the job had to be done correct every single time. And that's 
that's fine, that's great. But this work really allows for more movement, if I could say. It doesn't feel so rigid and constructed. And I would say, above it all, it's something that I care about, so therefore I'm able to stick with it and stay with it. This work, for me, it doesn't feel like a job um, because it's if you're doing this work, you're being this work. You cannot do this work without being this work. Um, it's not something that you could just show up and say, okay, here's how we do this. You know, it has to be, okay, well, I have this level of understanding, and here's how we can do um, there's multiple ways, and especially with schools, with students. I mean, the last workshop we held at Ben High, we were expecting 60 students to show, and then it dropped down to 45, and then we got the first snow of the year. So only we had like 26 students. So a lot of this job is, is being fluid, and that's something I appreciate because that's something I can do well. I always like to ask my guests if there's anything that I left out, if there's any question I should have asked, um, if there's anything more that you want to tell our listeners about the restorative justice and equity and the work in the Bendle Pine School District. You know, one of our, one of our main goals, um, I would say, for listeners here is we're, we're nurturing opportunities um, for students to really develop trusting relationships with their community, with the teachers, and more importantly, fellow students. Uh, we want them to to thrive socially and academically. They are the future. So I, I, you know, being the youth liaison, I'm like, there's nothing more important to me. You're making an impact. That's it. So what we did uh, at the Ben High workshop is we asked students to write an exit an exit ticket, if you will. Uh, what what did they pull from this? And uh, I'll be honest, I got a little emotional going over the document after it was sent out. I'm um, just reading what these students are saying and what they picked up. It's growth. I think the work that restorative justice and equity has been doing in Bend, the Pine School District, is like some of the most important work that's that's been done in our community um, for the time that I've been here at any rate. You know, I, I think it's just great work. And I really appreciate um, your involvement and your, your participation in it. Anything more you want to you add? I would say to anybody listening here, um, getting into social work is, is relatively easy. Speak to your neighbor. See what you can do. See how you want to change your your community. Even if it's volunteering at a at a shelter, uh, handing out food, just do do what you can for your community around you. Uh, we are always accepting volunteers. Um, RJE has its general monthly meeting, different locations, different times. But if you sign up on our uh, mailing list, you will get an update on on where it is for that month. Um, we are located now at uh, the Latino Community Association here in Bend. Uh, that's where we've set up our office. Trey Gibson, I really appreciate it very much. And listeners, indeed, uh, if you go to Restorative Justice Equity Group, all one word, RestorativeJusticeEquityGroup.squarespace.com, that's where you can learn about how to signing how to sign up and get and get involved if you're interested. Thanks so much, Trey, for joining me here on the Radical Songbook. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it.